at First Baptist Church in Wasilla. We have some guys coming up from uh, some from Arizona, uh, some from Washington, and then we've got a, a group called We Want to Make One. Uh, by the way, there's two of those out there. If you go look up one of them, it's a group we don't want to be associated with. You can meet other ones we do want to be associated with because they're doing good gospel things. So be, just be mindful of that. But uh, they're affiliated with an organization called SCORE International. SCORE International does worldwide mission Baseball, football, that kind of stuff. So the guys that are coming up this summer are here in May, just a couple of weeks from now, are uh, guys who have been, uh, some of them have been coaches, Major League Baseball coaches, some have been chaplains, uh, have worked with Major League Baseball teams and things like that. And they're coming and they're going to be the guys who are leading the discipleship conference that we're having on Saturday. And the, the whole purpose of this conference for us guys is to be in an environment where we can talk about sharing our faith and ways to do that that uh, are comfortable because it can be an uncomfortable topic, right? It can be an uncomfortable conversation. And ways that are also respectful to people that we're trying to share the gospel with. Because sometimes, you know, people aren't ready to hear the good news. And we need to be aware of how to kind of know that and still be people who are authentic enough to have relationships with people, frankly, in my opinion, even when they're not ready to hear the gospel. I hate making people into projects, gospel projects. People should not be gospel projects. People should be people. We should love them and care for them and have relationships with them because we like them and because they're people and they're made in the image of God regardless of what they believe or who they are. And then if the Holy Spirit opens the door to share the gospel, we want to be equipped to be able to do that. So it's at First Baptist Church, Wasilla. starts at 9 o'clock Saturday morning, so you're going to have to get up a little early to drive out there, but we'll have breakfast there and lunch provided there as well. Uh, if we don't get some more staff, I'll be cooking breakfast for you. How good is that? If you've been here to the men's breakfast, it's a good breakfast. I'm, I'm pretty good in the kitchen. So, uh, you know, come along and be part of that. Uh, we don't have a huge group signed up. It's not going to be a ton of people. It'll be just kind of friends sitting around having a conversation about sharing the gospel. And, uh, and I think it'll be a good time. So I just encourage you to sign up for that. There's a link on our webpage, c3ak.com. You can sign up right there. It would be good for us to know that you're coming so that we can prepare to have food and things for you. All right? But it's totally free other than you've got to burn the gas to get out there. And as we're going to talk about today, you're going to spend your most uh, uh, remarkable and valuable commodity that you have any possession or, or, or dominion over, and that's time. So you have to spend your time. Jason mentioned it last week. I'm going to jump on it a little bit harder today about time and, and how we spend that. Second thing is semi-related because SCORE International is sending some work teams to the camp, Laverne Griffin Camp, uh, this summer. Uh, in fact, that group that's coming up for the May 6th conference, part of that group is also the work team that's going to be doing some incredible things for us there at the camp uh, that we've been wanting to do for a number of years. And then we have another team with SCORE Internationals coming in August to kind of come on the backside of some other projects that we have going this summer to try and push them over the line, including some major projects like expanding the waterfront, uh, building a sledding hill, which uh, I'm super excited about. 
because everybody looked at me like I was crazy. But then when I started to bring some people to bear on the project who knew what they were doing, they went, oh, maybe this isn't so crazy after all. And so we're going to see if we can make that happen this summer. But here's the, here's the problem that we're having at Laverne Griffin Camp. I've mentioned it in a couple of our newsletters. And uh, I just would ask you to continue to pray for us because right now this is still completely unresolved. And here's the problem. In the f and I'm sorry to take so much time to do this, but this is super critical because we're at a critical point right now. The first week of June is Alaska Native Youth Camp. We've been hosting it for uh, almost two decades there. We have a team made up of um, a number of people from Oklahoma, including indigenous folks who come up and they leave that camp every year with just exclusively Alaska Native youth and speak into their culture and understand their culture, and it's really a fantastic time. That's happening as scheduled. At the beginning of July, second week of July, we have what's called Jam Camp, uh, which is fifth grade through high school, uh, but we invite students to come there who have an interest in, like, being on a worship team or being part of a technical team or painting and drawing. Uh, maybe that's their, their art, uh, making videos, taking photographs, learn how to play the guitar, learn how to play the bass guitar, learn how to play the piano for worship. We have all these breakouts that we do, and we have a team coming for that. In fact, I'm meeting with them tomorrow on Zoom to kind of get the final details together for that. Fantastic. Unfortunately, the second, third, and fourth weeks of June are our primary camping events. We have uh, youth camp is scheduled for the second week of June right now. That's middle school through high school. Uh, the young children, I believe, I might have these backwards, but uh, the kids' camps are scheduled the third and fourth weeks of June, and that's, uh, I think, first and second grade or first through third grade, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth grade is the other breakout, somewhere around in those, those neighborhoods. Unfortunately, in the middle of March, we had two churches that had committed teams from the lower 48 to come to host those camps and be our staff. They both pulled out at the last minute. Uh, in fact, way, way at the last minute for us. Uh, we had made those arrangements last fall. We'd, we'd had agreements, signed agreements that they would come, and then they couldn't get the people together to come. So here's just the, here's the bottom line is right now, I have zero staff to host free camps in June, July, and August for kids. I've got about 45 kids signed up across those three camps now. Uh, they've been signing up online. That's about the same as it was last year. But by the time we got to camp time, we hosted 226 kids last year. And right now, I'm right at the edge of where I have to tell them we can't have camp because I have no staff. Now, I have kitchen staff, and I have staff to clean the bathrooms. They're all lined up. They're going to get paid whether we have kids or not. They're going to be here. They're coming from out of state. What I don't have is I don't have a way to provide a camping experience for these kids. And friends, I don't have a solution. I have had, no kidding, dozens of conversations in the last three weeks with people all over the country and in Alaska. They have, not any of them have come to a positive resolution. And so we're at the point now where I'm praying and I want you to pray with me. I want you to make this a matter of your prayer. And if you know other churches or other people that might be interested in plugging into this, we need, if we're going to do a full camp, like we're going to pack the camp out for a week, it takes 24 people, 18 and over, to make that happen. That's a lot. Here's where we're at. If I could get 12 people, I'd do half a camp. 
if I could get 10 people, I'd do a smaller camp. I would rather have a limited camp for little kids and teenagers than no camp at all. And so I don't know how to solve this problem. Uh, believe me, God and I have been having a lot of conversations about it. There's some comfort in knowing as I talk to other people around the state and around the country that we are not alone. I just talked to a good friend of mine who's the, the lead person for a very large camp, and you'll understand how large in just a moment, in Kentucky called Crossings Camp. They normally hire 180 college staff students every year that stay on site for the entire summer. That's how big this camping environment is. They're 40, 50 people short. Um, another local organization uh, up in the valley uh, that offered to help us when they heard about this. They said, this is great. You know what? We got people coming. We can help you. Called me two weeks later and said, I've got teams canceling. I'm new left and right. I'm not going to have the people to help you. Something about the environment, and part of it is, if you've tried to book tickets to go anywhere, that's part of the problem. Airfare is bonkers right now. And that's hurting us a lot. So I say all of that to say, I don't know what the solution is. Another part of the good news is we have a lot of other stuff going on at the camp that is rocking and rolling, going to be great. And the camp will probably be okay. We won't be ahead further like we thought we would, but we'll probably be okay. I don't know if it means there's a paradigm shift here. Is the model not going to work anymore? I don't know. Uh, do we need to do something different? I don't know. Is this an aberration? Is this just a blip probably caused by COVID and all the because that's what I'm hearing from other organizations. It's like there's a hole in the volunteer force that does these kinds of things. So first thing I will ask you to do is diligently pray for us and ask God to give us wisdom about what to do. And we will give him all the glory for whatever he chooses to do. Amen? And then secondarily, if you or someone you know might be interested in being part of one of those weeks, you let me know. Because right now I'm looking to build even a small volunteer force for each of those weeks that maybe we could at least have camp for some kids because for some of these kids, it's the thing they look forward to all year long, all right? This week in the newsletter, I'll send you an article that I wrote for our state uh, newsletter uh, that went out that will give you some insight into one of the reasons why I'm still so invested in camp ministry, summer camp ministry, uh, because I just think it's uh, incredibly important and it means a lot to the students who come and can really have a significant impact on their lives. Uh, and if you remember here uh, several weeks ago, there was a young lady here with us who uh, has cancer and was looking for transplants and things like that, and we prayed for her here. She is one of those stories, and uh, she's featured in that uh, newsletter article. Her name is not included in there, but if you know her, you'll know who she is, and you'll see the, the miraculous nature of her story and, uh, and how God used summer camp to uh, rescue her and change her life. Okay, so enough of that, but I will absolutely treasure your prayers as you join with me in that. Let me change one thing here so it doesn't come back to bite me in just a minute. So we got uh, this week and uh, next week be our final two Sundays of the Illustrated Gospel series. And uh, the illustration I have for you today is one that I really love, and I'll explain it to you here in just a few moments. 
and I'm going to need a volunteer to help me, so when, when we get there, be ready for that. But I do want to talk to you about time. Jason mentioned it last week when uh, uh, he was using the illustration of the bowl with all of the different sized objects and the, the Rice Krispies that aren't real Rice Krispies, but the fake kind because the real ones are too expensive. Remember all that? And how we, how we work through prioritizing God in our lives. And I want to take that idea and expand it just a little bit more and think about really the totality of the lives that we are living and what we're able to do. Uh, here's the reality, right, is that no matter what we do, no matter uh, what kind of pressure we try to provide, when it comes to the number of hours, the number of minutes in our days, there is nothing that we can do to change that equation, right? We can't worry more minutes into existence, right? We can't, uh, we can't somehow flex our own decisions within our day and, and have, so we, you know, I don't know about you, but I spend most days with some sort of a, whether it's a mental list or sometimes it's written down, these are the things that, that I have to do today or that I want to accomplish today. And I have some kind of an idea of how long it's going to take to accomplish those things. Now, I will say, I don't know if anyone can identify with this, and maybe it's just the mandala effect of some kind. I don't know what's happening. But it seems like in my life today that time doesn't work the same as it did prior to 2020. And I say that because I feel like it takes me longer to do some of the things that I used to do and fit a lot more into my day. I don't know if that's some sort of weird leftover effect from the pandemic or the fact that I'm getting older. It could be a combination of the two. Maybe I'm not as slick as I used to be, you know what I'm saying? Um, amen. It's terrible. Don't get old, kids. It's a trap. Inevitable trap. But do you spend the same way with most of your days? Like you have an idea of what you want to do, right? And there's no... If one thing falls behind, for instance, this last Sunday, a week ago today, uh, we left here, got some... Uh, we didn't actually get food. We were going to, and then we decided not to. We got it out there. Karen and I left. We went home and loaded a drive shaft into the back of our Durango and drove to the camp where Stephen works, my oldest son. He's the, he's the operations manager at the camping place that I was just talking about because the drive shaft on the Nissan Rogue that I just sold him broke. And so I couldn't just leave him with it, right? <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. I mean, I've had the car for 13 years, very little trouble with it. He's had it for, what, a month, two months? And <laughs> drive shaft breaks. So we, we carted out there. We look at it. Listen, friends, it's eight bolts. Eight bolts. One, two, three in the four in the front. One, two, three, four in the back. You take them out, drop it down. You take the other one, you stick it up there. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Hey! Four and a half hours later. <laughs> right? Um, what do we always say in moments like that? I didn't think it was going to take that long. Right? You, 
estimate how long it's going to take. You estimate how long it's going to take to go to the post office. Which, like, it's not the same as it used to be. Am I wrong about this? I mean, you can go to the Huffman post office any time of day and there will be 12 people in line. I don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're mailing. I don't know what... I don't know what all this business is about, but it's constant. I don't know if there are people paid to go stand in line at the post office to make it look like it's busy, but it's always busy. So if you're planning a trip to the post office, you've got to calculate in a lot of time. Almost everything, it seems like, even the simplest of errands to me, feel like time is shorter. And I will say this to our young folks that are here. As you get older... Can I get a witness? Time goes faster. You wish it didn't, but it does. And of course, we know in reality, if we look at it from a scientific point of view, it isn't. You know, I mean, there are minor, I don't want to get too nerdy, but there are minor differences in the speed of a rotation of the planet and and moving around the sun and how that's changed over the blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, if we take in the tolerances of pluses and minuses, a day is still 24 hours the same 24 hours it's always been. And the number of hours that you're awake and able to do things is still the same number of hours that you're awake and able to do things. Yet somehow, as we get older, it feels like those hours, those minutes just fly by faster. C.S. Lewis says, our life comes to us moment by moment. One moment disappears before the next comes along, and there is very little room for, then there is room for very little in each of those moments, and that is what time is like. And of course, you and I tend to take it for granted that this time series, this arrangement of past, present, and future, is not simply the way life comes to us, but the way all things really exist. We tend to assume that the whole universe and God himself are always moving on from past to future, just as we do. But many learned men do not agree with that. Almost certainly, God is not in time. His life does not consist of moments following from one to another. If you picture time as a straight line along which we have to travel birth, walking, talking, middle school, high school, marriage, job, this job, that job, this job, that job, right? If you picture time as a straight line along which we have to travel, then you must picture God as the entire page on which the line is drawn. We come to the parts of the line one by one. We have to leave A behind before we get to B, and we cannot reach C until we leave B behind. God, from up above, or outside, or all around, contains the whole line and sees it all. We see this picture in Genesis chapter 1, if you want to go there with me. We're going to uh, grab a couple of short verses here, and then there's a text I want to land in for just a few minutes. And since I talked so long about the camp, I'll try and move this as quick as I can. But here we are, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the creation, the invention of time. Let your head sort of expand with that thought. As we think about the qualities of God, that he is uh, immutable, meaning unchangeable. There's also this, this sense, because he simply is, there is no beginning, there is no end. He says of himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega, not meaning the beginning and the end, he's meaning I'm the totality. There, there really is no beginning, there is no end. In his existence before time was created, there was no time. There was no passage of time. There was simply the existence of God. This is why we embrace this idea that when we are translated from this mortal flesh into an eternal presence with God, that we live in a place that we call what? Eternity. And does eternity have an end? It does not. But picture this with me, kids. Eternity has no beginning because it is simply the presence of God and where God is, it simply is, right? And, and we struggle with these concepts. We struggle with these ideas. I mean, I certainly do because I, I have a human mind and I want this construct to fit within my understanding. But there are some things about God that just simply cannot fit. And I have come to the place in my life, again, we're back to the theme of being older perhaps, where I'm content with that. It's not that I don't want to know and understand. It's that I cannot understand, and I actually find comfort in knowing that my faith is placed within a God who cannot be completely understood. He must have mystery. He must be greater than I can reason. He must be greater than I can understand, or he's ultimately me. He can be fully encapsulated within the understanding of human thought and reason. He's a man, not a God. He must have mystery and supernatural and mystical qualities that I cannot fully grasp, but which I can see the shadow of and, and the, the reflection of in the things around me and in the way the universe functions and in the way that I am placed within it. And so we see here the beginning, the creation of time. And then we, as mortal beings, are locked in that construct. We cannot exist outside of time. We should like to. We should, we should perhaps pursue science that tries to create that through time travel and things like that. But friends, we are here, even in time travel. We travel to another time. Guess where you're at? You're in time, somewhere. You still are not freed from that until we are with him in his kingdom where there is no darkness. Are you following me on that? There is no darkness, which means there is no time. 
because there is no night or day. That's the place of God. Second passage I want you to look at before we jump into some of these other things. You're going to find in 2 Kings chapter 9. Is that right? Ooh, that seems crazy. Did I write that down wrong? Did I? Is that what you have? Okay, well, that's encouraging because that means I have something wrong and you have perhaps something right. How do I find that? Ooh. Oh, here we go. Hang on, stand by. Wow, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Psalm 90. <laughs> that makes so much. That makes me feel so much better because I recognize that one as something I actually looked at before we got to right in this moment. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. The psalmist inquires of the Lord. He asks of the Lord as he's talking about his own life and the circumstances that have been happening and things that aren't going well and things that are going well. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain, get a heart of wisdom. Now, that doesn't mean that we should pre-plan how many days we have, number our days. It means that we should be aware that our days are what? Numbered, right? Even if we live to the extent of human biology today, if, if, if you were blessed to be healthy enough to live that long to 105, 110, rare cases of 111, 112, right? Can you imagine? But most of us are going to fit somewhere in that average lifespan. Which tells me I have about 16 years left as an average American male. Isn't that pleasant? <laughs> Sorry, Karen. Chances are you have like 18, 19 years left, so. Woo! Good for you. But I'm just saying, right? Isn't that the fact? Isn't that the truth? We can bury our heads. It doesn't change anything. We, we can and should do what we can to, you know, be around for our loved ones, for our friends, for our children, for our grandchildren, those things, sure. But the fact of the matter is, nobody gets out of this alive. And we are all allotted a time between the day that we're born and the day that we die to do something with it. I've told this story before when both my boys were 18, took them on a little journey with friends some of them in this room who spoke some, some truths into their lives, and then they would meet me at the end of it, or, or it's nighttime, and Christopher's was hard because it's February and it was really cold outside. <laughs> and we meet final at the cemetery. And I point out to them these gravestones that have a beginning date and an ending date and a dash in the middle. And yet the dash in the middle is the most important part, my friend. It's everything of your life that's, that you ever do and ever say and ever hope for and ever dream for and ever achieve and all the failures you've had, they're all in that little dash in between those dates. And the question every human wrestles with is, what do I do with that dash? What do I do with that moving from point A to point B to point C? And I would suggest to you 
that a Christian approach to that question is that you live every moment to the glory of God. In fact, the Bible tells us this. I don't remember if this is the passage I picked. If not, that was a complete failure on my part. Um, what's the next one that you have, Jay? So I don't have to go James. All right, James. Where's the James? Oh, no. James. Chapter 4, right? Ooh, look at that. Verse 12. This isn't the verse that, that, that I was thinking of in that moment. But it is the verse that says, In all that you do, do it unto the glory of God. In all that you do, do it as to the glory of God. Now, that does not mean that every moment has to be filled with religious fervor. Right? It doesn't mean you have to become uh, some sort of a, of a zealot who doesn't live a normal life and who doesn't play with your children or enjoy time with your wife or take vacations and things. It means that whatever you do, if you're playing with your children, if you're playing music, if you're doing your job, you're working at a job, and you, you like your job. It's good work, and it helps people, right? Or you're taking a vacation. You're taking some time for yourself. Even Jesus took time to get away from the crowds and the disciples and sleep and rest and laugh and drink and have food with his disciples, and then he went back to work. But whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. That's the life that we as Christians aspire to. And it matters. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Right? Now, don't misunderstand the apostle writing here that you should never plan for anything. He's saying, be aware. You can make your plans. Just be aware they may get significantly derailed in the next 30 minutes. Two hours, 12 hours, 24 hours. So, don't be wrapped up in tomorrow. Jesus tells us, stop worrying about the past. Everything in Scripture is reminding us to be present in the moment because being present in the moment has eternal consequence, has eternal importance. Being present in the moment has importance for tomorrow as well. I'm, I'm going through this class, Jason and I are just wrapping it up, where we've been meeting with some of our folks here. We have two different groups of people that we meet out of the church and give us feedback on things. And uh, one of those things that I wanted feedback on was being more present. With, when I'm with you, talking to you, that I'm not thinking about 500 other things because that's my brain. And, and that's, that's hard for me, but I, I want to be more present with you because I think that matters in this moment, and I think it also matters in who I'm becoming as, as an eternal person. What kind of person will I be in eternity? Dallas Willard used to say that Scripture teaches the principle that we're training for reigning. We're training to reign with God. And so we should be becoming now, in this life, who we will be for eternity. So it comes back to what are you doing with your life? You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. And
Yes. It feels cryptic, doesn't it? There we are. I don't know. Hub's not even sitting at the board, so I can't blame him. All right. Darn it. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And when he says this last thing, that can be applied to a lot of different things, right? We could, we could just take that verse and apply it to a lot of different things, but let's look at it in context. He's saying, if you're all wrapped up in tomorrow and thinking how great you're going to be tomorrow and how awesome you're going to be tomorrow, he says that there's an element of that that can become sinful because you're not paying attention to today, the time that you have today, because tomorrow could be snatched from you in a moment. Live in today, not tomorrow. Now, again, I want to caution that because it can be taken to an extreme. It says, don't ever plan for your future. Don't ever think about tomorrow. That, that's, not, that's not what he's saying. Jesus said, no one builds a house without first counting the cost. That's clearly an implication of thinking ahead, Right? But don't get so wrapped up in tomorrow. I used to have, there's this phrase people used to say, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Right? Where are you today? All right, so then quickly, this illustration. Oliver volunteered for me last time. If anybody wants to be a volunteer, this one could be anybody. Come on. Is it Taylor? Yeah. Awesome. So, all right. So come on up here. Everybody, this is Taylor. realize I've made a terrible mistake, but we're going to try and work through it. Can you grab that end of the rope right down there? See it? Yeah. All right. Pick this up because I can help you. I want you to take that rope and mom or dad, would you, would you go with her? Because she's probably going to have to go out one of the doors. All right. So just go ahead and start walking. Uh, go, uh, go down the stairs. Yep. And go down that aisle. All right, and just keep going. And I just want you to keep walking until you run out of rope. Uh, no, I'm good, I think. Well, maybe. Yeah, come help me. All right, wait. So go back. Go back back there. And I want you to go out that door in the back over there. Yeah, keep, yeah, no, keep, no, keep going. You're good. Go down there and keep it straight because you're going to go around the corner there. All right, and I hate to tell this to you, but if you have to go outside, you have to go outside because it's not, no, you got to go outside. Yeah, go out that front door. There you go. Perfect. Keep going. Keep going. Is she out the front door yet? Are we close? Are we close? All right, let's stop there. All right, so just imagine, because eternity is not a line, but this line is eternity. I know it's a contradiction, but we're human and we can only think linearly. We can't see it the way God sees it. See, if God were here and if this were eternity stretching out into, until we can't see it anymore, because it never ends. Taylor, can you hear me out there? 
Okay, I just want to make sure you can hear me because this is the important part. And you're going to come back in here in just a minute. That's how eternity is, stretching out until we can't see it anymore, beyond our perception. That's, God encompasses all of that. And if this line were stretching out, it would go this way as far as that way, and it would lo- we would lose the perception of it again. And yet it would... If we continued to walk, if we walked that way, and if we walked that way, we could walk as long as we could walk, and, and then some, and it still would, it would still just trail out in front of us. That's the, that's the scope of eternity. All right, Taylor, come back in here. You can leave the you can leave the rope. Just bring you back. All right. All right, let it go. Come on up here, honey. You can drop it, Chris. All right, come on. All right, I want you to hold that. See this section right here? Oh, so folks can see that part. Hold up that hand, right? That's your life in the scope of eternity. I didn't make this up, by the way. This came from a guy named Francis Chan uh, that I saw do this illustration years ago. I don't want to pretend like this is mine. Uh, I give him credit. But in the scope of eternity, I mean, in reality, if we're talking about real eternity, like forever, our, our life might even be like just... Right? What does it say? You're a mist. You're a vapor. And that can make us feel incredibly small. But the reality is God has given us this space of time to live our lives with one another, to enjoy the company of friends, to enjoy our family, to work and contribute to the the well-being of other people through the work that we do. And what the scripture calls us to as Christians is to certainly understand as much as we can the scope of eternity, right? Wow, that way eternity stretches behind us as far as anybody could ever hope to even think or dream and then some. And it stretches out in front of us farther than we can ever perceive. And yet we've been given this little space of time to not be so consumed with what lays behind or what lies ahead, but to live in this moment. And as we do, to live it as unto the Lord. Because to not live in this moment, what James said is to the one who knows the right thing to do and they don't do it, it's sinful. And so to neglect this life to not strive to live it to its fullest, to not be present in your moments with the ones that you love and the opportunities that God puts in front of you and the work that he gives you to do, my friends, is actually to sin. Because the right thing to do is to live this life as if tomorrow never comes. Go back. All right, let's go right here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and join me. The application there. I have to figure
figure out what we're doing with our lives today. And is it to the glory of God?